good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pin and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at interview number 28 with the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Crable from Boys Town High School. Uh, just stroking your ego a little bit there, Tom. So, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but before we get going with Tom, as always, we want to recognize our sponsors, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cossack Chiro, that's K O S A K. CHIRO.com or give them a call at 402 964 and be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. You can follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put up daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so please be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars. All we want to do is help out other coaches get better. That's the whole purpose of this podcast and this Twitter feed. So the more folks we reach, the more folks we can help out. And last but certainly not least, if you would like to email us, please do so at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, ideas, suggestions, questions, uh, suggestions for guests, so forth and so on. Uh, we'd love to hear from you at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Like I said... The man, the myth, the legend, second invitation, first acceptance. <laughs> now, now, that got caught up in my uh, quarantine. Oh, so. <laughs> in your quarantine. Oh, <laughs> that's what it is now. That, now. that that that, that, that was the first quarantine. Yep, that, that, that email <laughs> that I sent, and I might have followed it up with a text message, uh, you know, eight weeks ago that. was already quarantined. <laughs> you were very forward thinking there, Mr. Crable. Thank you. I'm, I'm quick on the ball. I'm quick on the ball. <laughs> well, that's so. the, that'll be the first time you've ever been accused of being quick on the ball. But we won't, <laughs> exactly. We won't go there. So, Tom, how you doing tonight? Doing great. Good. Doing really good. Good. Uh, your life is a, a, in a bit of limbo like almost everybody else is here. We, we kind of talked about that pre-recording. And, uh, you know, the important thing for, for all of us is we want to make sure our kids are safe and and we get them back to a to a safe place, yeah. and we get everything taken care of. So uh, basketball seems a little bit trivial at this time, but I kind of made the point on Twitter that you know this is the new normal that we're going to deal with for for a time period, and we don't know how long that time period is going to be. But at some point, we're going to get back to the old normal, and in the old normal. Uh, basketball is really, really important to guys like you and I. And so we're going to continue to move forward with this. You can turn off your CNN. You can turn off your Fox News. You can turn off your ABC News and your your, your updates. And and just take an hour, hour, 15 minutes, however long we end up going here tonight, to, to just escape from it a little bit here with a good discussion on coaching basketball, don't you think? Yeah, I hope it's a distraction. I hope it's uh, a positive thing. Um, there's so much negative and, and things that are in limbo that hopefully this uh, we can just inject a little little fun and positivity and, and uh, good humor and, and uh, hopefully some education uh, into our discussion. Yep. So, Tom, you've been at Boys Town now 20 years? Yep, 20 years, just this year. Um, 18 as the head coach and, and 2 as an assistant, and I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Very so. good, very good. Well, well uh, give us a little bit of background uh, pre-Boystown, sure. where did you come from? How did you eventually end up there at Boystown? 
Sure. Well, I was I started my and I have a, a bit of a different uh, resume than than most. I didn't. I'm not a teacher by trade. I worked in the business community and and wanted to get involved a long, long time ago into coaching. And, and so I had a job that had some flexibility. And I was started. I started as the freshman B coach at Sioux City Healing, uh, my alma mater, for a couple of years. And then when I moved to Omaha, through a connection that I had to my high school coach, I got uh, got out of Scott High School uh, when they first opened the doors. So I was on the very first coaching staff at Scott. And it is a, a shell of what it was. I mean, we were a shell of what it is today. Yeah. And um, just starting out, and I uh, was on Dan Schenzel's staff for a couple of years, and then Choice Shooties. And uh, then... By just some circumstances, I didn't get the head coaching job. I felt it was maybe time to move on. Um, and a good friend of mine, John Jungers, was the head coach at Boys Town. He said, come on out. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. Um, a college teammate, football teammate of mine was the AD. Um, and I did. And, and I did have uh, – my dad worked at, at Boys Town back in the 70s, so I knew what it was and was comfortable with it. And, um, you know – John moved on to college. I was there, uh, had an opportunity to get the job, and and uh, Nolan Byer, who's now running all of Miller Sports, uh, hired me. And uh, it's, you know, it had chances to leave over the years, but I've just stayed. And and again, I love every second of it. Very good. So so Boys Town for for those folks, a lot of folks have probably heard of Boys Town. Uh, but but let's take a step a second and step away from basketball and let's just talk about the Boys Town system, kind of what it stands for. You know, give yeah. you know perhaps a short history of the school um, sure. and 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 kind of you know how it works. So Father Flanagan back in the in the twenties and thirties started it as a home for boys, um, and uh, we just I think a couple of years ago did the hundred years. It is in, in a nutshell, it's a it's a it's a uh, group home. Unlike any other group home in the country, um, it's the only group home that has a, a high school attached to it playing interscholastic sports, um, and it's really a home for at-risk kids, um, and there's a lot of pieces and parts to it. Um, we have a high school that's got about 300 kids in it, um, 250, somewhere in that neighborhood um, of uh, just what you would call at-risk high school kids, so uh, kids that are, are pretty normal other than they just have either a home life issue, um, a, a, uh, environmental issue, maybe some small legal issues, um, things like that. And then there's also hospital parts of it where kids, uh, very seriously on psychotropic drugs or kids needing very serious mental, um, counseling are, are on our campus as well. They're not attending the high school. Mm-hmm. We also have, um, Day school, which a lot of every every district in the in the city sends kids to, uh, also to be to be worked with for behavior issues and education issues. So, in a nutshell, we're we're a group home with um, giving kids second opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's associated with the Catholic Church. It is. It's a diocese church, believe it or not, right. um, run by by a Catholic priest, um, Father Bays, and so um, it uh, it really. Um, we, we, the, the, men, the, the mentality there in terms of religious mentality is we, we want you to believe in something. You don't have to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. Clearly we have very few Catholic kids on our campus. Um, but we do have uh, a lot of other faiths and religions that we support and, and go about business. Yeah. So, yeah. So as long as there's some sort of faith formation, it, you it know, it's faith based. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Long as and, and, you know, kids just give, um, 
people an idea of their day. You know, kids are kids are living in a home. These are million dollar homes. If you come to our campus, I'd be glad to show you around. They're yeah. million dollar homes. Eight to ten boys and boys live in one home, girls live in the other. They don't intermingle. Um, and uh, run by a family teaching couple. That family teaching couple is supported by three employees that they call assistant family teachers. So there's really five people running that home 24-7. Um, those kids get up in the morning. They do their chores. They're off to school um, at 3 o'clock. Um, if you're an athlete, you go on to your athletic endeavor. If you're not an athlete, you're, they've got you involved in something on campus, whether it be work study, whether it be work off campus, what something. Um, kids go home, they're in a family structure, they're doing chores, they're cooking dinner, things like that. Um, doing, you know, extracurricular activities, going on outings, um, so long as their behavior level has given them that, that right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we were talking before we recorded how different your situation is basketball wise than it is for, you know, like when I was at Scott or something along those lines, uh, describe uh, some of the challenges that you have as a coach putting your team together on a year-to-year basis. Sure. So, so the underlying belief at Boys Town is that getting kids back into the family environment is is always the best thing. Yeah. So we we are not a believer in pulling a kid out of a home and then just keeping them for four years. So we rarely, rarely, you know, give you this stat over 20 years or 18 years as head coach. I've had four guys play four years for me. Wow. Uh, so just think about that yeah. for a second. Um, so our belief is if we get a kid that's young, uh, say a, an eighth grader or a freshman, we're probably keeping them for two years um, and then moving, hopefully moving them back into their family environment um, or putting them back in their normal high school. The vast majority of kids that we're getting are um, – Kids are in the, their juniors and senior years um, trying to do credit recovery for, for, for graduation, um, trying to get out of a bad environment, trying to get a second chance within the high school, things like that. So we're keeping kids on average for about 18 to 20 months. Yeah. So we're really the junior college of, of high schools. And what I was telling you before is I don't know. As we sit here today, I think most people could probably tell you, oh, you know, I might, I might know eight of the 12 that are going to be on my varsity or something like that. I don't know. I know maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we don't get our full squad until August or September of that academic school year. Yeah. And that's pretty normal. So our, our, our planning is very much done in terms of, <laughs> you know, a mystery of who our individual players might be. You you are the uh, Jerry Tarkanian of Omaha, Tom, <laughs> and without the towel, yeah, and, and more and more hair. Um, yeah, you got him um, in the hair department. Yes. You definitely got yes. him in the hair department. So, <laughs> so, but it's you know it's it's unique, but you have to embrace it. I mean, every school has their challenges. Every program has their challenges. Absolutely, this just happens to be ours. And you know, I think what makes us successful over these years is we don't we don't complain about it. We just. Um, if you're on my staff, we don't even talk about it. It just is what it is. It is what it so, is. No excuses. Uh-huh. You just got to move forward with it. I think yeah. that's, I think that's a great attitude to have. So, yeah, and, and, and the greater good is we're trying to get kids a diploma. We're trying yeah. to give kids, you know, social behaviors and a foundation to you know live life. And basketball is a piece of that. Mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all, but it is certainly a piece, and it's a it's a big motivator to these kids as well. It's it's something that you can use as a. I mean, we we all use basketball 
as as a metaphor for life and life lessons and teaching lessons. But I think for your situations, it's it's almost even bigger than it would be for most coaches. Yeah, I mean we're 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 teaching we're using basketball as a motivator for you know don't steal, don't do drugs, <laughs> don't you know, and those things you might be putting lip service to it at another program, or you might be really saying it. But you have parental support for it, right? You've got, yeah. or the parents are doing a big piece of that as well. We're, our kids don't have those parents. They don't. They're not involved in that. They. This is something that that uh, we use, and it might be the only positive thing they got going on in their life. Yeah. So we're we're very careful when we take that away from kids, and we better have you know, we better have good reasons for it. But it's a huge motivator. Our kids are coming to use basketball and sports in general as a way, and I don't mean to make this Hollywood or romantic, but it's a way to get out of, get to a new life. It's a yeah. way to get out of their current situation. No, I don't think you're underselling and, that in any way, shape, yeah. or form, Tom. I, that is, and we, that's and just true. to give people an idea, in the last five years, six, well, longer than that, probably ten years, we have a, the NFL sack leader is a Boys Town graduate. We have put two kids in Division One basketball. We've had a kid run Division One track in Nebraska and and almost and, and be a champion. We go on and on and on. We've we have very much uh, used sports as a mechanism to get kids into a college environment and onto bigger, better things. Yeah, you're uh, pretty heavily evolved in the in the club basketball circuit as well. Mm-hmm. Omaha Sports Academy. Um, yeah, on the girls' side and uh, the boys, yeah, yeah. and on the boys' crusaders' side, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what are the and and again, maybe I'm going to hearken a little bit back to your to your Heelan slash Scut days, uh, but what are what are some of the 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 big differences that you see between uh, coaching kids in your high school season and coaching kids during your your spring and summer club season? Well, just the, the environments are different in the in this manner. Number one, in the club season, you're picking your team. And I don't mean like you're picking your high school team as well from the kids that are going to your school. But here you're citywide. You're yeah. picking the best of the best typically. So um, the people you're putting on your club team can all play. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not trying to you're not trying to hide a, an average kid or make it make an av- your, your seventh best player a little bit better for you. They can all play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just that in an environment you have less film, less breakdown, less time to prepare. Um, so you really have to be able in, in a AAU or a, a club team environment, you really have to be able to adjust on the fly as to what's happening because you don't always know what's going to come at you. You might see the team you're going to play for 10 minutes in front of that. Um, so those are just the structural differences within coaching um, that you have to be a little more flexible to. Um, less time in practice, you know, seeing kids, you know, two, two times a week maybe. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And then it, it, from a player standpoint, coaching them, you know, getting everybody on the same page, getting them to love their role or to accept their role, um, some team building. You got to do more team building and talking about that. That because uh, typically in your high school season, time will certainly uh, be on your side because the season's longer. Kids are going to school together, so there's maybe a little bit uh, a, a easier to get the chemistry the way you want it on a high school team than an A and U team. Um, so those are just some of the things I think um, you spend at least. Because the kids can play, you probably are spending a little less time um, on fundamental building and, and that kind of stuff versus you know, what you're trying to put in systematically. Yeah. 
yeah, there's there's not much of a of a system. You're you're you know here's some basic right. here's some basic structure here there. Here's two or yeah. three out of bounds plays and let's just go out and play and ball. That, you know right. And the part the part that I struggle with and I still struggle with this today is the lack of practice. Yeah. That you you're you're playing so much more. On it, you know we had I'll, I'll just give you a stat we had. 72 practices in our high school season this year and we played 24 games yeah well that's going to flip-flop on in the club season so you you just aren't you know you're, we're just not as polished as we ordinarily would be um now you're you're, you're probably more talented yeah you're picking the best players but you just it's so hard for i think high school coaches who are used to all this practice time and time to really nitpick things and, and you know Maybe at times overanalyze things. You just don't have that in the club season. Yeah, yeah. You get, you know, sometimes we get we get uh, flustered when we got a game, and and you don't play as well as you want to. But let's say it's a Friday night, and then you yeah. turn around. Well, hey, you know what? We you know we got uh, Syracuse on Saturday afternoon, and we don't have much time to dwell on this. Well, club, yeah. you know, you go you go three o'clock, and if you stink it up, well, you know what? We got figured out by six o'clock. <laughs> So and sometimes that's better. Actually, sometimes that's better. You know. Yeah. You know. Uh, it, 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 there's less chance. I mean, I think on the positive side of it, there's less chance to overcoach your kids in the club world. Yeah. And um, and I think that that's that's a good thing um, to learn as a coach is to when when do you really need to to break them down and slow them down and, and really coach them up versus there's times to just let them go just let them figure the game out it's a hectic game anyway it's a the game is supposed to be a little bit messy how do you figure those kinds of things out yeah yeah so what are you hearing and i and i don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this particular subject but what are you hearing as far as how our current health pandemic here uh could possibly affect uh the schedules of things for the near well, future, think, for the far I don't future. Think there's going to be, uh, well, on the boys' side of things, I don't even think they're going to get their teams picked until somewhere in April, if if they're lucky. Um, and I don't think there's going to be, well, Nike's already said, and I think Adidas has followed suit, um, that there is no April season. Yeah. Um, and I would be very, very surprised if there's going to be any May. Um, and, and, I think we're all going to take our lead from the NCAA because why are we out there playing these games if we're not to get kids exposure to the next level? Yeah. So if the next level is not going to be there, then why are, why are we spending this money traveling to all over the place? So that's, that's the logic of it. I, I, my belief of it is that there will be a July period and that's probably the sooner. This is assuming a best case scenario for what's happening in the world. Yeah. Um, that I, I believe we'll probably be able to start, practicing and doing some things in May some point in time um, because if there's first of all there's no gyms to get into until the school districts start opening and allowing them to do that and I don't think people like OSA or the factory or any place else is gonna gonna break ranks with the school districts sure at least that's what I think well um, I they, they'd be crazy if they did uh, that yeah, would, right that, that, you're just opening yourself up yes exactly um, so I think I think there'll be a season I certainly hope there is for kids um, this stuff has become very important to kids in the basketball world, um, and so I hope there's I hope there's something out there for them, um, and especially the kids that haven't signed 
yet or, or the you know the juniors and the sophomores that want need to be seen yeah so what do you you know how big of effect will this have on the recruiting process for you know i i don't think it'll necessarily affect uh Morningside or Hastings as much right. as it will uh, Omaha or or Nebraska Lincoln yeah. or you know uh, Division One or your high Division Twos there you know you know what do you think the trickle down effect is going to be? Well, I think it, we I was just talking with Jim Simons at Westside today. We both have kids who need to be seen by their junior colleges. They were they were getting some interest in junior colleges. Well, the recruiting process to get those kids on campus and let them work out. Yeah. Well, how in the world are we going to do that? Yeah, you know, we can't be taking kids to college campuses that are closed. Um, so that the, the you're right, the high level people that already been seen that I mean, the Hunter Salas is the world just got zero impact on his recruiting. Yeah, it's going to have an impact on those medium to lower level kids who need to go be seen by Hastings College or need to go get an NA, you know, be seen by a junior college and get a workout in, play in an all star game, do do these things that are, you know, have been typically available to everybody before them. Yeah. You know, even, well, you know, your daughter and my son are both juniors in high school. And we were, you know, we were actually talking, uh, and I don't know what you did with your older two daughters, but we started taking... But we start taking Michael on campus visits the spring of his junior year. Well, Absolutely. there's there's nowhere just as a regular student, you know, yep. there's nowhere that Carter can go she, right now. She, you yeah, know? she had a she had a visit planned to University of Iowa this fall as a student, and that's no longer there. Yeah, um, yeah. I have no idea what's happening to ACT testing. I have no idea that all the things in an academic world that happened in the springtime are, are just I they're up in limbo. Yeah, and. Uh, and I'm hoping that the powers that be, you know, basketball and otherwise, uh, make some some good logical decisions. So, so you're thinking the 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 AAU circuit is kind of waiting to see what the NCAA is going to say. Yeah, I do. I mm-hmm. think, and I think, you know, I I because right now, and I know for a fact, I talked to the Nebraska coaches um, this weekend. They can't recruit. I mean, yeah. They can't even go off campus for the next thirty days. Yeah. So, um, you know, they can make phone calls, mm-hmm. but that's you know, it stops there. So you, you mean you can't evaluate kids? You're you're talking about how you gonna evaluate a kid in the twenty twenty two class? Yeah. You, you can't you can't do it. Yeah. So not until the summer anyway. Is there is there anything that you think you could do as a as a coach? You know, for those coaches that are listening that 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 have a sophomore that maybe has an eye on. Uh, like you said, it's not a Hunter Salas or a Chucky Hepburn or something like that. But you know, you know, what can can you do to to help your well, kids we jo- reach we where they joking. want to reach? You know, we were, uh, you know, we were just kind of half joking. Like, what are we going to do? We're we're all quarantined. I'm, I want to get in the I want to get in the gym as much as the kids do and work them out. So we're going to be watching film. I think the biggest thing is to be pulling off uh, pulling off some uh, some film of kids that you think have the next level uh, opportunities against some good competition and, and forwarding that to the assistants that that you know and and uh, and that's probably the best thing we can do email things yeah. like that yeah um, you know the, the hardest question is in a week or not maybe this week's not a hard question but in a week or two when do you get when do I get my daughters back in the gym when do you get kids back in the gym not in large groups, but as individuals to shoot and to, to do those things. Yeah. Um, Cause as we know, basketball is a skill, a, a skill sport and you need to hone those skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting how this all breaks down. And again, we'll be back to the old normal at some point where this becomes kind of the all-consuming yeah, no, thing in our life no again. It's, it's it's just an interesting pause, and uh, you know, it, it does it does have that trickle down effect that it, that it is going to affect next year's season, even though it's just yeah. March and and. You know, technically, we were not supposed to be done right now, but we right. are, you know. So the, we were making a point at that lunch today, and so the coaches asked, anyway, nobody wants to be first. It's just it's scary to be the first one, right? The first one to go in the gym, the first one to have a team practice, because you just, this, the unknown is, is pretty scary right now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know what, we'll work our way through it. We'll work yeah, our way no through question. it. Uh, no question. Most of us are pretty smart people. I don't know. People might deba- <laughs> people might debate that about you and I, but most yeah, no, no, no kidding. I've got I got plenty of uh, people in the stands that don't think I know you know left from right. <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting. Um, <laughs> at you know, I, I did some radio at the state tournament, and uh, oh boy, those voices travel a heck of a lot farther when there's only two hundred people in an eighteen thousand seat <laughs> arena. Holy cow! Uh, oh yeah. I was there on Friday. Heck, you had you had parent sections yelling at each other because they could hear each other. <laughs> you could actually see who was making comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But so it was a very interesting place. No I, questions. I I think once they decided to move forward with it Thursday yeah. morning, I think it was probably the best thing to just finish it out. I do I do agree with that yeah. decision. You've you've kind of been around anybody that you're going to be around at that point. So yeah. let's just finish this thing out. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I was uh, again. I was at lunch with Jim Simons today, and he said the exact same thing. It's very appreciative to the opportunity for his kids and his seniors to fill it out and finish it out. And I'm sure every coach that went through that, um, through that, that, um, through that tournament and experience is is just feeling the same way. Nobody wants to go in and tell their team, you know, the, the day of the semifinals. Well, our season ends today. Yeah, you know, that's that's not good. Yeah, yeah, and it, and if you go, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the right thing to do. I, I think I think uh, the NSA needs to be complimented for their handling of the situation. Um, I, I, I think I think they I think they did about as good a job as you can do in a in a tough situation. I really do. Yep. So, so I echo that, those same sentiments. Yep. The Metro Basketball Coaches Association, Tom. Um, how did that all kind of come about? How did you end up you know being in charge of it you know you've never really told sure. me that story you know and, we, and, and what does it all kind of do well we we, we are the, the metro coaches in the, in the, of omaha in the area um got together i don't know how long ago in 69 68 somewhere in that neighborhood you were coaching in 1969 yeah something like that 60 their first speaker here's a story for you the first clinic speaker they first the first clinic they ever put together bobby knight was a speaker Wow! He had just he had just gotten the job at Indiana University and came from uh, and came from Army and had just he was a first year coach at Indiana, so they got him up they got him on the cheap. Wow! But, um, yep, I, I don't I don't remember if it was Coach Kane or Coach Ellickson or somebody told me that story that was in the crowd there in '71. Now I wasn't in the crowd, which oh. I was. But oh <laughs> I yeah, wasn't. but that's so way back in, even in the inception 
of the organization, its main purpose and charter is to educate coaches. And that's what we want to do. Our, our, our goal is to, you know, improve our profession, uh, improve the networking opportunities for young coaches, um, but just educate people about basketball. And, and that's, that's our main goal. Um, and I got, I got involved as a young assistant at Scott and, uh, and honestly, um, at the time, I got to know Mike Dempsey at Gross, and I would, and I was just like a little puppy dog. I sat on his heels, and I, I volunteered my time as kind of his secretary of the organization. And, and uh, but I got to go. I got to meet um, one of the most interesting things I got to do is I got to call Larry Eustachy around. Um, I was his driver <laughs> the, the, night, the night he was here, and I'm not sure that's. This is appropriate for the for the podcast, but but that was a very interesting night of my life. Uh, you you um, can, if you would like to expand, just keep it PG thirteen. That's all I ask. <laughs> well, I'm not sure you did keep it PG thirteen, but but uh, you know I got I got to meet you know it's the first time I met Bob Huggins um, in, in, <laughs> to be as that secretary of that organization. Um, so Mike gave it up probably about. Uh, She's 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, that'd be and about right. I'm not exactly sure if I missed a meeting or um, how exactly I got voted the president, but nobody told me it was a life. It was a lifelong uh, appointment. <laughs> um, but I've enjoyed it, and, and uh, again, so what we do is put together clinics, four clinics a year for our coaches. Um, we try to bring in, um, you know small college, uh, college assistants, division one head coaches, just all kinds of men's and women's, um, anybody that wants to come in and, and talk basketball. Yeah. Um, we give them beer and wings and we give them a whiteboard and a microphone and we let it go for, for two to three hours. Yeah. And I think it's, it's actually one of the, it was, it's four nights of this job that I really, really, really enjoy. Um, and mainly because you're there with your peers. And I've made so many friendships that are going to last a lifetime to that organization. And we yuck it up and tell stories and rub on each other. And it's it's just a really great time. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, and I, I will put in a plug. Um, next fall, we will have both Fred Hoiberg and Fran McCaffrey over on consecutive weeks. So Very nice. Well, yep. I will be there. Yeah, I, I will be there. That's always. Yes. That's, that's excellent. Yes. Maybe uh, – Maybe Michael Plum will be driving Fred up there. You know, I don't know. So. <laughs> yes, you better. You better, better have him. Yeah. Um, no, you do a great job with it, Tom. I mean, Thank and, you. And, and I think um, from my perspective and a lot of the folks that I work with, um, one of the things that you do an outstanding job with it uh, is balancing the interests of, of male coaches and, and female coaches. I mean, who, who you are coaching, yep. not necessarily bringing in a female coach, a, a coach that right. is a female, um, right. and 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 they come in, and, and you and and since I've been here, you you guys have always done a really nice job with. You know, it would be very yeah. easy just to focus on Hoiberg, McCaffrey, uh, Darren Hansen, whomever, and, right. and, and all the the men's Division One coaches, so forth and so on. But you guys have always done a really good job of trying yeah, to bring in uh, high quality fe- uh, coaches of females as well. Yeah, and there was a very specific. I have a, big, a very specific um, reason for that. In, in it, it, it maybe I've learned this uh, having daughters and kind of growing up through and watching more girls basketball. That that you, you as a boys coach and a men's coach, sometimes you get a, a feeling that the game is less 
that those are second tier coaches and so on and so forth because the game's di- it's clearly different. Yep. I don't I don't think it's better or worse. I just if they're just different games. Yeah. And so the more that I I started talking to the to the the lady coaches that I would see on the on the and when I say lady again, it's who you're coaching. There were yeah. men and women I was both talking to. You find that those people are incredibly intelligent. Yeah. And they're, why, they're why, thank good. why thank you? Why thank you? Well, they're very good at coaching that game, yeah. that style of game, or whatever. And we could that whether or not you're coaching phenomenal athletes and the game's played three feet above the rim, you can still learn, you know, from other people and from a different style of game. And so over the years, I've been it's been great to come in and have. Um, for example, the head coach at UMKC Women described how she runs her program. She was really what good. Skills, wow. What skills are we trying to teach uh, ladies at that level? But they can translate to the boys' game. Um, and just to hear different philosophies on running programs, I think, you know, dealing with men, dealing with women, those are two different things. So you want to hear from, you know, how do you chew out a girl? What's How do you do when your team's not playing very good and, and you got, you know, 12 women there? Is that yeah. different than 12 men? I don't know. Yeah. So you got to hear some of those things. Um, and I've learned over the years that, you know, good ideas are good ideas regardless of where they come from. Absolutely. Absolutely. doesn't, doesn't matter, you know. Right. Um, so uh, 2006, and I remember this season very distinctly, Tom. You guys, you guys had, a, you guys had a, an outstanding group, and, yeah. and it was kind of this, one of the big stories – not only in C1 basketball, but, but in, in high school basketball here in the state. You know, Boys yeah. Town is, has a storied tradition athletically uh, at, in their heyday, especially in the, in the 40s and 50s. They were traveling all over the country. Kind of is similar to what we see with what happened with LeBron James and, and uh, the stuff, you know, uh, Sierra Canyon that we see with, uh, right. with Bronny, Bronny's son and, and, and all that type of stuff. Well, Boys Town was doing this way back in the 40s and the 50s. They were right. taking trains down to Miami and Dallas and all over the place. Uh, to play football, to play basketball, to do all this stuff. But it had been since 1966, since the school had won a state championship in basketball. And you had an outstanding group, and and you bring home a, a state championship for the first time in 40 years to this storied athletic tradition uh, there at Boys Town. What was... What was that season like? What you know, uh, the range of emotions, the ups and the downs, that type of thing. Right. Well, the, the, the first thing to know is that they hadn't had a winning season in some odd seventeen to twenty years. I forget what it was. Hadn't won a championship in that long, you know, forty years. Um, people, I don't think, thought that you could take a band of kids from around the country, uh, put them together, and 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 win at a high level in a short period of time. Yeah. And so we disproved all those myths, first and foremost. The season, was, I mean, we were at that time, we we're in our fourth year. We had built um, kind of our program. I was with, and let me say this, my, I, I don't do any of this if it's not it, without my assistant, Cedric Hunter. Mm-hmm. And Cedric's been with me since day one. And so he's, we built this thing together um, along with another assistant of mine, Ron Stargell. We've been together the whole 18 years. Um, so that consistency is, is a big factor in all of this as well. Um, but we're in our fourth year. Um, we were allowed to grow into those jobs as coaches. We were allowed to do and implement what we wanted as culture from an administration standpoint. So people kind of left us alone and, uh, we got to build it. Um, and again, these kids, it was phenomenal. 
I mean, now we had some phenomenal players. Don't get me wrong. Vince Marshall is a Division One caliber uh, player. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of guards that um, could have gone on and played Division One basketball if they if they could have sustained their academics. Yeah. So we had talent. That's first and foremost. Yes. Yeah. Funny um, how that works. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was a much better coach then than I was two years prior. Yeah. But anyway, um, to win it was was. Um, it's, un, it's when you have success with kids that have never had success before, they don't know what that means. They don't know what it feels like or looks like when you actually have it, you have that chance to, 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 uh, to be there with them and to go through that process. It's a gift from God. I mean, it's, it's, I can't even describe what that's like. It's life changing. Yeah. Um, as an adult and a coach, that's life changing yeah. because, um, they didn't expect it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to, they came to Boys Town to just get a diploma and play a little ball and holy cow, next thing you know, we're, we're, we're really this good and, and they believe in each other and to, and to, the biggest thing with all of our teams over the years is to watch kids learn to trust each other when they've been in their whole lives environments where it's fed for yourself yeah, and not trust anybody. Yeah. You know, you, they got people walking in and out of their lives on an hourly basis, and yet here we are in an athletic setting that's teaching them, hey, i got to trust the guy next to me. And uh, it's not easy to do, but when it happens and you see it, it's, it's, uh, it's unlike anything else in your professional life. So, yeah. Um, but it changed our campus. That, that team kind of changed the last 15 years on our campus. Um, in terms of it is possible to do this here. Yeah. It is possible to be good. It is possible to win state championships. And it, and it happened again in 2012 with a very good group. Um, we went to the football finals. Our track teams won, you know, three or four state championships since that team won it all. Yeah. So um, it really was a catalyst for setting up the, this, this next couple of decades in our athletic program. Outstanding. And, 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 you know, you guys have kind of gone from the underdog story to a consistent winner. I mean, you, you truly have, and that's taken a lot of hard work and dedication and, and, and it, it, it was a rebuild. It was just a different rebuild than a lot of coaches have to, to have to work with, you know? Yeah. It's emotional. I mean, it, it gets, you know, very rarely, I'm doing pretty good tonight, but very rarely can I talk about those teams and what, really what the impact those kids have uh, on my life and, and, and me on their lives. It's hard to, it's hard not to get choked up about it. It's hard not to, to, you know, just feel that, you know, to kind of relive in your mind, the individual moments that you can see kids breaking through. And, and we're going through that right now with one of our players. I'll be very honest with you. This kid from New York, we have as a sophomore, you can start to see him changing and trusting adults and, starting to believe in himself and he's going to a whole nother level athletically, but just as a person, he's starting to say, you know what? These adults aren't going to run out of my life. Like the other adults in my life have for the most part. Yeah. Uh, his mother's a very stabilizing piece of that kid's life. But so I can tell a million stories like that yeah. and it just, it gets you. It, it's, it's very, very emotional. Yeah. Well, you're doing a heck of a job with it and uh, well-deserved and you know, you know, if you ever, tell anybody I complimented you this much. I guess it's officially on a recording now. So yeah, I don't know. You're, something's wrong. 
tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Keys are bad night, so what's going on? <laughs> well, I, okay, I, I owe you from picking up uh, the ticket at the end zone for Carter and I at, at the girls' state tournament. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, so so there I you have. Listening, I, I, did, I didn't tell him I was going to do it, so Marty missed out on the prime rib and the special, but he got a hamburger. But oh, uh, oh I, I could have had prime rib. That's not fair. That's 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 a bunch of crap. That's a bunch of crap. All right. Now I'm going to go back to being mean. So not as mean to you as I am to Abby, though. So absolutely, that's my daughter. Yeah. So all right. Well, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go to the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, Don Meyer, the 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 goat of 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 coaches here, in my opinion. Real quick, he spoke at the Metro Clinic twice and has did an outstanding. I got notes. From those two clinics, and I still harken back to today. Oh so, wow, yeah. I, yeah. So. I, the, the the great thing about this, Tom, uh, I I think this is my twenty eighth interview. Twenty um, eighth, yes, twenty eighth. Okay. Okay. And every time I've brought up the Don Meyer quote of the day, I don't think there's there's maybe only been one coach that hasn't talked about how Don Meyer affected their coaching philosophy. Oh yeah. Now that is that is amazing. That is tremendous. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and um, you know, he the second time he came down, he was battling cancer. I mean, yeah. it's just unbelievable that he came down and spoke, and and uh, it, it just the, the things that he was willing to do for coaches. And you know, his his summer coaches clinics are legendary up there at his place. Um, but uh, it's it's very few individuals that have impacted our profession like he has. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, the Don Meyer quote of the day, treat practices like games and games like practices. Very good. I, and I, I think there's some, I think there's some truth to that. There's always some truth when, when, when coach Meyer is saying it, but uh, uh, that's the Don Meyer quote of the day here. Treat practices like games and, and the games like practices. So um, interesting quotation there. Uh, yep. you know, you want to be intense as a coach during, during the practices, just like you would be in the games. But once you get to the games, you turn it over to the kids and you allow them to, to just play what you've, what you've taught them. So, um, all right, let's jump into this here, Tom. We're going to kind of go into your personal philosophies and, and how you do things. Sure. Um, you talked about, um, uh, you know, how you don't know really who's going to be on your team until August or September of every year. Um, right. You know how how do you get your kids to buy into the culture that that you and your assistants have built over that time in such a short amount of time? You know what have you guys done to right. kind of create that for for the way, kind of the revolving way, door you have at times? Right, way 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 back when you know we decided or I decided that it was we had to have an identity. We had to have a clear identity um, that we couldn't we could not and we don't really change who we are from year to year um and so what we came up with is you know cedric and i and ron looked at you and say what what are we year and we had about a this is probably year three that we we really sat down and we'd had some mediocre years mm-hmm. um but we those teams even though we were seven and 13 and 11 and 10 and then we were like 15 and something those teams all had some things that were pretty consistent in terms of the kinds of kids that we are getting and what we deal with. So we came up with a, with a, with a, 
clear identity of who we are. And that's and that what that is, is, is we call it rap. Because kids like to rap, right? They're sure. all rapping and blah, blah, blah. So rap stands for rebound. We're going to be the best rebounding team we possibly can. Um, attack on offense and pressure on defense. So rebounding, attacking, and pressuring. And so when we get a kid, day one in my office, first day on campus, we're sitting here and, and this is who you are. This is who we are. And we just drill it in them. We drill it in them and we drill it in them. And you ought to be able to take one of my players and ask them, what's your identity? Who are you, boys? How do you want to play the game? And they ought to say, coach, it's rap. It's rebounding, attacking, and pressing. Rebounding, attacking, and pressing. And what that does is those kids are all echoing the same message as to how we want to play the game, how we see the game. And there's no, well, Timmy sees it this way, and Johnny sees it this way, and little Billy's mom thinks he ought to be doing this. No, it's not any of that. It's rebound, attack, and pressure. And so when we're teaching those kids the game, at least I know the 14 varsity guys are all on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that makes it so much easier to now start talking about, okay, are we going to play man-to-man? Are we going to play 1-3-2? Are we going to go zone press, man press? Um, we're doing full court game. Whether or not we're doing offensive sets, we are attacking. And those kids have that in their mindset. And um, it makes the game uh, easier to teach and because your kids are on the same page at a, at a very, no matter when they enter our program. Yeah. So they can be a two-year starter and a guy that steps on the, pay, the, the court for the first time, he's been on campus a month, they ought to have the same mentality. And they do, it may take a little longer to hone some skills, but they have that same mentality. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's number one in what we do. Um, and then you just got to teach it. You got to, we play a certain way. Now we might change little different things based on skill sets or we have a stud player or, or what things like that. But, but how we all see the game never changes. What do you do? You know, obviously again, in your situation, um, you, you have to execute. There's, there's still execution issues right. that every coaches, every coach faces. Um, but you're, you know, like I say, you don't have a chance to go, okay, uh, here's, here's Pete Smith and he is a sixth grader and we know he's going to be here six years right. from now. How do we, you know, here's a Pete, here's the things we're going to start teaching this in sixth grade. And, and, and when you're a junior, you're going to have this down perfectly here. Uh, right. so, so how do you work on the execution portion of the game with with such a it, just in your circumstances we well i tell you what it does first and foremost is me as a coach and our staff is we have to simplify you know everybody does that kiss right yep. keep it simple stupid well we we're forced to do that we can't get complex we can't teach flex offense and the 17 different things you can do out of that we can't teach you know we are not we just don't have time you can't you can't teach it all um, we, you know, cause we're, we're teaching, you know, we have to take, and, and I'll give you an example. I've got a sheet on my office of a hundred terminology things in basketball and within our system. I got to pick 20 of those out. What are the 20 most important things? And so you have to, you have to see the game differently because you have to say, okay, what does this group of 10, 12 kids I just saw for the first time, what's their strengths and what's their weaknesses? And so I feel like we've become pretty good at saying, you know, this group right here can can 
play man and that's all we're going to do and teach it or this group's going to be a full court team but we got to spread the offense iso people um so we have first and foremost we have to simplify it okay and then um in our practice structure because we get so many street ball kids kids that haven't grown up playing youth basketball we have to spend about 60 percent of our time on skills development and then that 40 percent that we do on a team session we are really breaking that down and what i mean breaking it down is we we do a lot of teaching through playing so i have a lot of assistants every assistant's on the sideline every assistant has a kid or two that they're watching and they're talking them through that entire scrimmage mm-hmm. and that's a huge teaching point to us is we have to keep talking to our kids as we're playing and teaching because we don't have the time to stop it and walk them through it and, and rep it 400 times because you know, we got to teach other things yeah um and so that's that's how we're kind of streamlining that thing but keeping it simple and then uh and then just teaching as we're playing and talking all the time to kids. And I'll tell you what, it's also been, been kind of evident is we are, and this has helped us over the years. Like people will see this as a, as a weakness. I see it as a strength. You know, we're not very good at the beginning of the season. And part of that's the newness of us. Um, and the, and the, you know, getting things honed and the reps and all that stuff. But come February 1st is when we tell our kids that's our season. That's when it starts. Uh-huh. And over the last 18 years, we've been really good February and in the postseason. Um, and people want to play us as early in the season as possible. <laughs> for that for that reason, I can't get games moved. But we and we also backload our schedules. We're not playing as many games early on as as other people are because those practices before, oh, let's say January 15th. Those practices are gold to us. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but hopefully, that's a little insight into how we're. Um, you know how we're teaching our kids and, and so on and so forth. So you're you're playing half your schedule between February fifteenth and or I'm sorry January January fifteenth <laughs> and January thirty first. I would play every game. I'd play every day if I could after you know after about late late January. Yeah. I mean I, I mean at that point kids you know tired of practicing anyway. Yeah. But uh, but yeah I mean we we backload our schedule for that reason. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes mm-hmm. so you probably get what three or four games in before the holiday break. We get five. Okay, we get five or six. I think we've actually because the calendar was funny this year. We actually got six in. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of who we are, too, we have some eligibility issues most years. Uh, trying to get kids eligible in that first semester, so um, we're usually not a full at full strength till after Christmas. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're talking about your practice structure. And you said sixty percent of it is skill development. You know yeah. what are what are you know how are you breaking that down in practice? You know what are you doing with these kids, uh, with 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 your kids to, uh, yeah, just I mean you know how do you put that together? Is it is it a lot of shooting? Is it ball handling? What are you all doing there? Well, it's a lot of everything, but yeah, every every a lot of every drill we're doing because of who we are has a has a full court component to it. So a lot of our drills are up and up and down the floor, um, and a lot of that too is because I like kids running. Because I, I just as a philosophical thing, I just hate putting kids on the line at the end of practice. I want I want to practice with a ball. I want them to condition within the game. Now there's clearly times when you got to discipline them, or early in the season you don't feel like you practice as hard and you ever you just run them. So, but what what we try to do is a, full, a lot of full court stuff, a lot of getting them up and down because that's how we want to play. Yeah. Um, 
and so all of our ball handling stuff, all of our, and then we try to incorporate offensive and defensive stuff just as a time, you know, as a time, utilizing our time. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's ball handling, we got somebody, we got somebody guarding. Yep. Um, if somebody's shooting, somebody's, you know, trying to catch up or, or closing out at the other end and, and, or something like to that effect. Yeah. Um, a lot, of, a lot of things this year we did because we were just in 18 years. This might have been the worst passing team I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just pitiful passers. Um, you know, we concentrated on, on full court passing, putting things, you know, shoulder height, not having our big guy try to catch it at his shoe tops. Yeah. Um, and, and catching the ball. That's a lost skill. You know, just <laughs> catching it shot ready, catching it in a spot where, where I can do something with it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that skill development goes up and down like that. We're trying to get in and out of, of those drills as quickly as possible. I think everybody does that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to we're trying to coach pace um, and attitude and mentality as well. One of the things that I've done in my couple of years out, mm-hmm. um, and I'm writing at the same time here because this is some really good stuff. Again, don't tell people I complimented you this much. Uh, but, no, no, it's our secret. Uh, yeah, just just to the just to the people listening. Um, right. But uh, and I've said this before on the pod. Um, I I feel like I, uh, one of the things I would do differently, if slash when I get back into it, is um, I want to you know I I spent time on just a let's say a rebounding drill, and it's good, right. you know. But the more I started looking at it. The more kids have their lives today, we don't have their attention nearly as much, blah, 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 all this other stuff. So I made this list of here's like the 11 basic skills of basketball. And if we're going to put a drill into practice, it has to have at least three of those skills unless it's shooting. Shooting, you can, you know, that, that's, you can just do that by yourself. But unless it has at least three of those skills, we're not going to do that drill because we're not developing – we're 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 Mike. It's too much on the micro and not enough on the macro, and right. and I think that's kind of what you you were saying there is you're you're getting the multitasking within a lot of the stuff that you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you got to point those out to kids. You got to emphasize it, Coach. I don't remember who told me a long time ago. You're gonna, you know, whatever you emphasize is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we take out just as a teaching tool. We I, you know I've got we got a big whiteboard that we roll out to practice. And we'll keep, we'll chart at least our top seven or eight. You know, if, if rebounding is going to be important to us, then we're charting offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, missed blockouts. Um, you know, we also chart turnovers in every practice as a, as a rule um, to give those kids that visualization because these kids today need to see it, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's just the nature of who they are. Um, but it helps us emphasize through those drills, whether it be a shooting rebounding drill or a rebound, you know, defensive transition drill. We always have a rebounding component in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that's just a little thing that we do is we'll put the big whiteboard out there and, hey, you know what, is I you, you say you're working hard today, you've got one offensive rebound. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that kind of thing. Um, so you talked about in, in your rap, uh, you know, you, you talked about rebounding and how you guys try to emphasize that. Uh, let's let's go to the A in that. Let's talk about how you teach attacking on offense and creating that up tempo style and what you guys do in practice to to get your kids on that on that same page there. Well, first, first we 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 don't overload them with a lot of sets and a lot of um, 
um, you know, we don't give them a lot of five on five things early in the year. Because if you do, if you give them a lot of secondaries or you give them a lot of, they're going to rely on that. Yeah. It's easier to jog down the court, go to a spot and execute that than it is to turn your head and run down the floor. It mm-hmm. just, it just is. And so we don't give them a whole lot in terms of structure. Um, we, you know, we have a structure for our, our transition. You know, we have a the wings that run to the, we fill, I believe in filling the corners. I believe in a rim runner. You know, we do the things that everybody kind of does. Uh, it, 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 and I could go into how we get into our spread attack from that, but those are basically, and then we have a trail and we have a, a point guard and point guards taught to, you know, is the sideline ahead of you? Is he wide and is he open? If he is, he darn well better get the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'll see that on film. Yeah. Um, and then if that's not open, you better look diagonal because if he's open diagonal, he better get the ball and I'll yeah. see that on film. And then if he's not open, you better be trying to switch sides of the floor mm-hmm. on the dribble. And so the things that have worked for us, there's two things in practice that have really worked for us. Number one, we chart how many times the ball is dribbled across half court versus how many times the ball is passed across half court. Oh, that's, that's good. We, yeah. we want, we want 60, in practice, we want that 65 to 70% of the time. Now, are we going to get that in the game? No, probably not. But, in practice, we better be 75% of the time, but we're going to have a hard time getting 50% of the time in a game or 60%. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, and I know this is a big thing with all the coaches in Nebraska, we play with a shot clock in practice. Mm-hmm. And We may have had a discussion on a pen and a napkin about the shot clock at the girls' state tournament. Yeah. Yes. yes. So we, we utilize that as um, – as a teaching tool and a training tool for our kids um, throughout the whole, probably every practice before Christmas, um, or at least until I'm satisfied with the play pace. Some years that's going even longer. Some years that's all year. Um, this year it was all year because um, I could never get my point guard to want to give it out of his hand. Um, but uh, but we we're, we and I'll change the time. Sometimes we want to play twenty, find a shot in twenty seconds. Sometimes I'll let it go to 30. Sometimes it's 11. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to find a shot in 11 seconds. Um, so we use that as a training tool as well. But I think if you started charting how many times your guards are dribbling, wanting to dribble it across half court versus finding somebody and getting their eyes up and seeing the full court, you'd be surprised if you started charting that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you get into your spread stuff from your, you know, you're talking about sending your kids to the corners, rim running, like you yeah. said, you know, a lot of the same stuff that a lot of people do, uh, you know. So, how do you flow into your into your transition stuff and simplify it for your kids there to kind of to kind of to have that organized stuff? The simplest thing is we want to bring everybody off the baseline to free throw line extent. So we're playing almost what Creighton's old Humpty Dumpty offense a little, but we're not we're not crossing sentence screens. We want to we, we want a wing entry with a, the ability to drive baseline. We're going to X our cutters, step our big man out. Eventually, we get to five out. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and that's hard to visualize without showing it on a board. But essentially, I believe this. Um, in our situation, number one, every kid wants to be a driver. Mm-hmm. Every kid. I, the biggest thing I fight with our kids on a daily basis is dribbling the darn ball. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, and I have a philosophy that you dribble less in man and you dribble more in zone. That's probably opposite of what most people think, 
but I want the ball moves. I want player movement, but I also want opportunities to drive the ball and get to the rim in two dribbles or less. Um, so we're five out. Second thing is I, I haven't found a kid in the last five years that wants to be a post player. He <laughs> wants to play with his back to the basket. Yeah. I might force him, and but we have arguments about it. I, even when I had Teddy Allen, who's the best player in the state, and Division one player, and he's six six. I couldn't get him to sit his rear end on the block. He didn't. That's not who he thought he was. So I don't think any kid wants to do it. So I'm kind of just starting to give up a little bit on that fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we play a lot of five out stuff, a lot of cutting, a lot of driving. Um, but again, the over dribbling just drives me insane. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, on a, after a make, we'll run maybe a secondary or a quick hitter into that that kind of a look. Do you guys have situations where you uh, where you limit the dribbles of your kids? You know. Yeah. So here's here's another training tool that I, we we stumbled upon this um, maybe 10, 12 years ago. This was before two thousand twelve because the two thousand twelve team that we had, we had those kids back. We had them in eleven, and they all wanted to dribble. They dribble, dribble, dribble. It's driving me insane. Well, my manager at the time had an old basketball that lost some air, <laughs> and I said. Screw it. And I just threw it out to the point guard. Well, if it doesn't bounce, they can't dribble it. Yeah. And so it was about half full. Uh-huh. And so now we use that as a training tool early in the year. We take about a half full basketball. Maybe if you bounce it, it'd come up to your knee or maybe a little less, but, uh, or a little more. I mean, and you can still, it's inflated enough to shoot it, but they can't dribble it. Mm-hmm. So they, the only way they can score is to move it and, and cut and pass and, and go from there. And maybe you can slam it down once and go finish or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the P in wrap here and, and, and pressure on defense. And, and what do you do uh, to create that, that tempo on the defensive end to attack the ball and, and uh, create chaos? Sure. First thing, and we, we just – last couple of years I've come to this conclusion that – and this is, again, this is our entire culture in basketball. Kids don't play one-on-one anymore. They just don't do it enough. And so guarding the ball has become a lost art. And so we try to guard the ball an awful lot in practice, just one-on-one. We play a lot of – in the offseason, we'll play a ton of one-on-one um, and just be able to guard the ball. So that's the first thing we work on is let's just guard the ball. Um, the second thing, that just from a systematic standpoint, um, I've come to the belief that different kinds of pressure, different levels of pressure, guarding different places on the – sometimes we're guarding less space on the floor. So we're pulling that pressure back to quarter court or half court. Early in my career, we were end-to-end. We were, you know, Nolan, or, uh, Nolan Richardson's 40 minutes of hell. Yep. We were baseline to baseline. Love those um, teams. It, what's that? I, I saw I love those teams, those yep. Nolan Richardson teams. Yep, so we were a little bit of that. I've come off of that a little bit um, because I think coaches and players are better at, at full-court uh, offense, you know, press offense. I think they're better at it um, in teaching it and executing it. So we're going to bring different levels of pressure, whether it be, um, you know, half-court, quarter-court, full-court. Um the thing that we struggle with, for instance, this year is we couldn't really, we weren't a really good man run and jump pressuring team. So all of our pressure stuff had to be kind of zone oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that was, you know, depth issues, part of that, because we had to fully understand to play this way, you have to have some players. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you can't just play five. 
Yeah. Um, and so when this was probably the first year since maybe my first year that we were really limited depth wise. So we had to get creative on how we, that P was going to happen um, without just, you know, running our kids to the ground. Um, but that's, you know, those are the two, th- you know, guarding the ball and then, you know, bringing pressure at different levels. I guess the third thing that we do and do a pretty good job of is we break it down. We're playing a lot of, of two on two full court, not letting the, not letting the offense clear out through. Then we build it to three on three or um, put the defense in, a, in an odd situation, play five offense, four defense and teaching kids how to the hardest thing. I think for our kids, we have a, we have a saying two in the trap, two stealers and a rim protector. Well, the two in the trap are pretty obvious. The rim protector is always pretty obvious. It's the Steelers that have had a hard time the last probably five years of teaching them to go to a body and not just a spot on the floor. Go, don't just guard air. Guard, guard somebody that's a, that's a body. Yeah, um, and that's that's been been key to train those kids on in the off season as well and during the season. Give us, uh, give us two of your best shooting drills. Two of our best shooting drills. One's a, one's a uh, full court layup drill. They, they have a finish drill that's really important. I call it cycling because I got it from uh, I think it was Fred Hoiberg. You put a, you put a, a group under each hoop, so you've got two guys two, two, two on the baseline. You've got the outlet boxes filled on one side of the court, so there's four lines. Okay, yep. you have a guy starting it, and you have you have cones at the free throw lines. You have cone. You can move the cone depending on how far you want kids to run. Um, the ball starts under the hoop. Ball gets outletted. The kid starts to run down the floor. Ball's thrown ahead 20 feet. So now you're working on passing. You're working on catching. The kid has to catch without dribbling it unless he needs one for balance, and he's got to go finish. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you're finishing on that. Guy gets the passer, then now has to go around the cone. The initial rebounder just fills the outlet box. Does that make sense? So yep. You're going from going from a rebounder to an outlet box, outlet box to the shooter. So then, the, after the guy finishes it, the guy should be coming around the cone. That ball then gets taken out of the hoop, thrown to the outlet box, and we're going the other direction where the guy's throwing a full court pass. Guy's got to hit him on the run. Guy's got to catch it. Guy's got to lay it up. Mm-hmm. And the first day of practice, you run that, the ball's going to be flying all over the place. <laughs> Wear some protective gear. Yeah, because yeah. kids can't hit, you know, you just, you're, if you're running full speed, that's a hard pass. Yeah. And then you got, then you got kids that can't catch that long pass. You got kids can't throw that long pass. But over the course of time, it's a great warm up shooting drill and finishing drill. And you can tell them anything. Like there's be days I say, okay, we're only going to finish over the front of the rim. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to count. Um, or we're just going to go right-handed layups, or we're going to have to finish on the left side. I always give them, once we get the drill down, I give them a specific way to finish. Yeah. Um, and then that just, so now they're thinking about finishing and, and so on and so forth. Our goal, just for people that are listening, our goal is to make 24 shots in two minutes. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make 24, then we, we just run the difference. So if they make 23, they have one up and back. Yeah. Um, now we're doing that with boys who are athletic. We're doing that on a 94-foot court. Yeah. So you can adjust it however. So that's the first one. Um, yeah, other, I want to say something real quick on that. Yeah. I really like drills like that at the beginning of practice, A, to, to get your blood flowing, and B, to get your kids' attention. And make yep. sure that they're ready to go. Um, you know, 
I I really don't personally don't like. Well, let's come out and let's do some two ball dribbling and let's do this. Right. I, I, hey, look, it's go time. It, it's it's when you tip it up on Friday night, you don't. Okay, hey, uh, the first two minutes of the game, we're just going to kind of warm up here a little bit. No, it's competitive right here from the get go. And so right. I I like that idea of of getting out and getting up and down right away from the get go there to get into that attack mode, like you were saying. Yeah, and then yeah, I don't know. You know, back when I was a, uh, an assistant and a young coach, I was a junkie at clinics. Like, I went to every Nike clinic I'd get a hold of. I could get, went on and on. And so something stuck with me years ago. I mean, maybe I heard it in a conversation. I don't remember that a coach said that I ought to, this is a college coach saying this, I ought to be able to come into your practice and in the first 20 minutes of practice, I ought to see what's important to you based on how you're practicing. So, if, if rebounding and attacking and pressing and pressure is important to me, well, we better be doing those things within the first 20, 30 minutes of our practice so our kids' mindsets get in the right spot. Yeah. And that's kind of where, where our – now, do we, do we have days before a game that we're doing different things? Yes. I yeah. mean, I, we, yep. we, don't, we don't come out balls to the walls, you know, every practice. But on, on days where – we're trying to work on some stuff, and it's going to be a high intense practice. And then that's the drills. One of the drills we'll start with. The other, and I'll give you, I'll give you three if you don't mind. Uh, we got um, time. So the other, the other, the other one that, that will rotate kind of in this segment is a two-on-two full court drill. And so you'll have your white, and we're blue and white. So you'll have your white team on one side of the floor. You have your blue team on the other side of half court. You have a coach in the middle. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's basically a two-on-two dribble. So the white team is attacking the blue team two-on-two. When the white team is done, the blue team throws the ball to the coach. There's two blue guys already on the other side of full court, on the other side of the half court. Yep. Coach will turn around and he'll throw it to the blue team. The two white guys have had to just absolutely turn and burn to the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's a defensive transition drill. It's a two-on-two drill. Uh, it's a it's a, a toughness drill. It's a get your kids' motor going, and, and then it just goes up. We do this for five minutes, and we keep score, and the kids love it. Mm-hmm. If you, if they, the young kids don't love it because it's a lot of work and effort. The older kids will buy into it quicker if you start competing, and and there's some you know there's some things that if they lose that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's another one of those drills that it's it's kind of a finish drill. It's kind of a shooting drill. It's a defensive transition drill. It's an effort drill. Yep. All those things wrapped into one. Yep. Um, and the coach can certainly control what's going on because if I turn around. And I don't think white teams run it back fast enough. Well, I'll just go give two uh, the blue team a, a layup. Yeah, um, I'll just throw it ahead. Otherwise, I'll hold on to the ball a little bit, let them at least have a fighting chance, and then I'll let it to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's a, we we just we really love that drill from that standpoint. That's a good one as well. I like that. Yep. And then our, our my favorite shooting drill is really really basic, but I love it because our kids hate it. They just <laughs> they hate it. And that's when you know and, you have a good drill. Yeah, I mean, it's all it is, is um, three lines on either baseline, and it's just a three-line full-court shooting drill. So there's six balls. Um, as the kid comes down, and, and, and I'm in, so this, they're, they're just staying, they're rotating lines. So you're rotating from the outside on the right to the middle to the outside on the left. You're going up and back, and they're just shooting. Um, and there's a couple of components to this. We have uh, inside the three, so you have to take a mid-range shot. 
your rip right, rip left, and then all threes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you can put however many times. We do this drill for, uh, let's see, eight minutes. So two minutes of each one of those segments. And we've got to hit 160 shots in that eight minutes. Yep. Um, and kids are sprinting up and down the floor. Yeah. Um, and if a coach says, okay, little Johnny's not, he's just jogging, going through the motions. Well, we'll just, we have a track that runs around our arena. Yes. We just put them on the track for the remainder of the drill. Yeah. Um, so you can, cause kids will get through this. Oh, this is boring. I'm just sprinting up down the floor, just getting shots, but it's, but it's a conditioner. Um, they've got, a, you put, you put a time, you put a made requirement on it so it's not just getting shots up they actually got to make them and then you're doing different moves yeah and so my assistants are like you know don't just drop they'll be you know uh jermaine you just drop the ball there push it out in front of you you know there's always teaching going on within this um so on and so forth yeah so we've taken a very basic drill we've kind of made it into something a little more than that um with 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 a with a competitive aspect and a teaching aspect. Yeah. So you've got that eight minutes, and like you talked about, you're you're not just counting makes. It's it's your coaches are continuously talking your kids through it yes. and coaching them through it and yep. making corrections on the fly. Again, in a game like situation, you know, you don't have yep. in a, in, a, in a competition, you don't have time for a five minute dissertation on right. jump stops. Here, we got to do it on the fly here and do it better. Right. The, the only thing it doesn't have is a defensive situation but it's got a conditioner in it so I, i'm okay with it yeah yep very good so, very good tom thanks a ton for coming on here oh thank you anytime Sec- I, I enjoy talking basketball i enjoy talking to you and you've done a great job this is a great idea i love the name i just absolutely love the name because you know back in the day we had napkins we had kino cards we had I mean, we had crayons we had pins we had just anything now everybody's got a phone and an ipad or whatever yeah something. <laughs> I, I i still handwrite it all out anyway so it doesn't matter so that's uh, great um but uh no i appreciate it uh thanks for all that you've done for me um you know uh even on the second invitation i got you on here so i'm happy about that so <laughs> I'm not gonna let you live that down. I'm not gonna let I'm you live that down. I was disappointed that the, when I saw you do this in Lincoln, there was a there was a bar. At least you know, <laughs> was getting like a drink. Well, so. you know, next year, next year, um, I, I thought I would focus on the girls' basketball side of it this yeah. year, um, and then honestly, this year uh, on the boys' side of it, I had to call uh, four four radio games, and I had upwards of seven if if certain teams would have won. <laughs> So I was like, yeah. oh, man, you know, that's... Hey, real, real quick, before we go, I want to make this point. You know, all those things I just said, all those drills, all that mentality, all those things, I carry with me into the girls' AAU teams that I coach. Yeah. So we're, I don't, I'm not changing who I am or what our philosophy of the game is based on boys and girls. Yeah. Um, and girls can do those drills every bit as much as boys. You may change the, the time, you may change the the number of mates, but um, they can absolutely and should be able to do those drills. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the drills that I did with my girls, the vast majority of them I, I copied or adapted from, from men's basketball, you know, so yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. So, uh, no, Tom, thanks so much. Uh, keep you on the line here. I got to wrap up a couple of things. Right. And uh, so stay on the line here. But Tom Crable from Boys Town. Uh, thanks so much, Tom. Really appreciate it.
Again, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for sponsoring the pod. If you're needed of any need of any chiropractic services, Tom, I know how old you are. If you need any chiropractic <laughs> services, go to 144th and Maple, Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi, tell them I sent you, and they'll take care of you. All right? Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review the podcast here. Share it with folks. Tom, you know, share. feel free to push this out and send it out to the folks in the Metro Basketball Coaches Association, all that stuff. And uh, email us if you have any questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Tom Crable, the head boys basketball coach at Boys Town High School here in Omaha, Nebraska. Technically, it is just Boys Town, Nebraska. It has its own zip code. So, um, the village. Yep, the village of Boys Town in the middle of a city of a million people. So, uh, thanks to Tom for coming out. Coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.